The New Jewish Theater is celebrating their 25th anniversary, and we're going to be talking to a director and an actor of an upcoming performance, The Immigrant. Greetings, listeners in listener land. Welcome to St. Louis in Tune with Arnold Stricker and Mark Langston, where we size up current and historic events involving people, places, and things in areas such as the arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, government, health, history, housing, humor, justice, and sports. We originate from and connect the Gateway City to what is happening regionally and nationally. Mark Langston is on assignment today, and he will be back. Here is our return to civility. And, folks, this is a great one because the studio is located at the International Institute, and the play that we're going to be talking about today is called The Immigrant. So here we go. Learn about cultural and religious holidays other than your own. Learn about cultural and religious holidays other than your own. Wish a happy Rosh Hashanah or Mexican Independence Day, etc., to your friends from other countries and other cultures. It's important to know about what they believe, what they celebrate, so we can understand each other a little bit better. I know we celebrate food like that, so let's celebrate a couple other things. So don't forget that one. Make it a point to learn about cultural and religious holidays other than your own. As I previously mentioned, the New Jewish Theater is celebrating their 25th anniversary, their 25th anniversary, and they're going to be performing The Immigrant at the Wool Studio Theater October 12th to the 29th, and it's very timely, uh, The Immigrant play, based upon what's going on in our country with immigrants. And in studio, we have the director, Rebecca Scallett. She is a stage director, educator, and arts leader. She's currently the artistic director for the New Jewish Theater here in St. Louis and is the past producing artistic director for the Arkansas Shakespeare Theater. She also taught theater for the University of Central Arkansas. And Bryn McLaughlin, who is a classically trained actor from Mount Hood, Oregon, was just up there last summer, oh. <laughs> former actor and director at La Grande Shakespeare Company. She studied theater and acting and directing at Eastern Oregon University. And a surprise for some of you, which some of you may already know, she's a singer-songwriter also. <laughs> so she, she threw that one in at the last minute there. So welcome to St. Louis in Tune, both of you. Thank you so much. Thank you. So Rebecca, I'll uh, give us a little bit more about your background. We talked a little bit before the show, and uh, you were, were kind of a St. Louis product and then went to Arkansas, and now you've come back full circle. Yeah, that's right. Both my parents were born and raised in St. Louis and grandparents, and actually uh, I think I have an ancestor that goes back five generations in St. Wow. Louis. So um, lots of deep St. Louis roots here. But when I was seven, my parents moved us to Little Rock, Arkansas for my dad's work, and that's where I I grew up, um, went away to Boston for college, then spent a bunch of time in Chicago, and then an opportunity brought me back to Arkansas with the Shakespeare Festival there, and then a few years ago, ended up back in St. Louis with my family. So yeah, totally full circle, like you said. So was that a, a shock to go to the East Coast and to you know the big city from Little Rock? It was. It was something I very much wanted. Um, I didn't fully appreciate Little Rock when I was growing up there, so as a high school student, I thought the East Coast was just the coolest and uh, <laughs> wanted to be there, though as I got older, I really started to appreciate all the great things about Arkansas and that that community had. 
And you did some wonderful things down there with the uh, Shakespeare Festival down there. Yeah, I did. I was there for nine years, which was really fantastic. Uh, nine summers of producing Shakespeare and musicals. Um, got to teach in the theater program at the university as well, and just really enjoyed being a part of that community. It's got it's got a special place in my heart still. So the shift from acting to directing, or did you always want to direct? Uh, pretty early on, I knew I wanted to direct. I did act in high school and college, um, but but when I started college, I started with the goal of eventually directing wow. in mind. I just love it always felt like the right place for me. I used to get in my acting classes, my acting teachers would always tell me to stop thinking. They would, and I would be, I would be thinking about what everybody else <laughs> on stage was doing. And, and I would be like, well, but if they do that, and they're like, nope, don't worry about that. Just do your thing. And then I thought, oh, well, but directors are supposed to think about that. Right. So maybe I need to, to put my, my energies there. And it was a, a great fit. I love being in that role. Very interesting. And Bryn, is it, are you from Mount Hood or Sandy? I'm from Sandy. <laughs> <laughs> I do my homework. Yeah, yeah. I uh, grew up in Sandy. Um, I also thought my hometown was a drag, and uh, I went to Eastern Oregon University because uh, I, you know, I knew I wanted to go to a state school. So that took me to Lagrand, Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um, so at this point, I consider Lagrand more my hometown. That's okay. where uh, all my training was, and I also found a home in a Shakespeare company so (laughs) what is it about Shakespeare that really draws actors and directors to that particular uh, author I think if you can do Shakespeare you can do anything (laughs) it requires every piece of your theatrical knowledge and ability because uh, it's it's just an amazing it's an amazing it's amazing work to start from um, but there's also a lot of room for interpretation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, in terms of, of the play, you could you choose where you're going to set it. You yeah. choose which characters you're going to highlight. You have to cut the script, so you choose what stays and what goes. So mm. there's so much shaping that you have to do um, while working with this amazing source material. So it really challenges you. There's also usually like dancing and singing mm-hmm. and fight choreography. So it really just stretches you and demands a lot from you. Um, and it's so rich, you find out new things every time you come back to a play. Yeah, I think uh, something that I'm always reminded of whenever I work on Shakespeare, especially when I work with a particularly good director or someone who really knows their stuff, is it you can always be more specific when you're looking at, like, down to the word, down to the syllable, down to the line. Um, uh, you know, you can do King Lear at three points in your life playing the same character even and you will still discover new things that you didn't mm. know before it's uh, it's just that rich so and you've yeah. done directing also correct a little so that's uh that's what i studied in college okay. um although it was more because i like if i could still take all the acting classes in college gotcha. um, i think i do struggle with what rebecca was saying about getting in my head and thinking from the bird's eye view when i'm an actor um and i really you know i it's, it's good for me to be reminded to let that go, and I often am. <laughs> um, uh, but I do love directing. Um, it's, uh, I'm, you know, I'm a transplant, so I think it's going to be a good long while before I can direct something in St. Louis. Um, I've only directed a handful of things, but it's a challenge. Uh, <laughs> it's, um, especially, like, with the immigrant, I mean, there's... It's so technical. <laughs> um, Surprisingly so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think uh, it was probably naive of me, but when I first read the script, I think 
it felt surprisingly simple to me. Um, and I was like, oh, the emotions of the story are really complex. But I felt like the script at its core was pretty simple. And now I know it's not. <laughs> I mean, like the amount of like digging into the the script that we have done and finding all these little nuggets of gold and like backstory for the characters is insane. <laughs> You know, and, and that's a great point. Is is that from research that you both are doing on your particular character, or upon the Galveston project, or is is that what's pushing that emphasis, or is it just like, gee, I'm I'm peeling back the script and I'm listening to other people speak their lines, and okay, that makes more sense to me. Is that where's what you just said come from? I mean, I think I think it's a combination of both for sure. Uh, I. Uh, we as actors have been very supported through this process because there's so much history and, there is. you know, uh, all of us are doing dialects and it's so important to do these dialects well and properly. We're like, some of us are speaking prayers and blessings and, uh, um, you know, every step of the way we, we have a dialect coach. We're um, being given all these tools. The first read through, there was so much history presented to us by Rebecca. Um, and it, it all adds up. But I will say that the playwright wrote a really layered mm-hmm. script here. Okay. There's, there's a lot of subtext. There's a lot of background. Um, I think that's the beauty of writing something that's based on real life is that, you know, it, there's just, more nuance already built in than when you're creating something. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, for me, it's both. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. I think, um, it's been really one of, one of the things that I love about directing is that every time you start a new show, you get to learn about it in an entirely new world. So Mm -hmm. I have learned so much history, Mm -hmm. um, from, from directing plays. You learn, you know, some, some plays demand that you learn science or mathematics. Um, this one required a lot of history. And so I, uh, did a pretty deep dive into learning about the, the Galveston movement, as you mentioned. Right. And I, I said the project, but it is the Galveston Uh, movement. They do, but it goes by both names. Really? Yeah. I've heard, I've, I think people do use both, okay. so so you weren't wrong. Okay, all right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so learning about that, and then specifically learning about this town of Hamilton, Texas, where mm-hmm. the t- play takes place, and then also figuring out um, who these these real people were, which is another challenge of the script. And I think this is the first time I've ever worked on a play that is that is really about real people, or at mm. least like fairly contemporary people, mm-hmm. like. Henry the Fourth was a real person too, but it's uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's but different. It's so far but removed. It's, yeah, it's so yeah. far removed, exactly. So what's, um, what's the difference for you with that? I think there is. It does feel like there's like more pressure. I don't know how you feel. Yeah, no, you have to. There's a loyalty that comes with it. Whereas, mm-hmm. like when it's a fictional story, I feel like you're invited to play more freely. But like with this, it's like this was a real person. And I just think the accuracy is just so key because you do have accuracy that you can aim for because they were real. Um, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You can look up photos of the character that you're playing. Mm -hmm. Um, And this family, uh, you know, reading the obituary of the real Mm. Haskell Harlick was really enlightening to me and just reminds you, you know, and he and he just died. What was it in like 80, 87 or something like that? So um, it just I don't know, it just makes it feel a lot closer and then I think just add adds a little pressure that you do the story justice and mm-hmm. that you 
um, and that you do right by by him and his story and, and telling it. Yeah, let's let's talk about the story in a second here. This is Arnold Stricker with Mark Langston of St. Louis in Tune. We're talking to Rebecca Scallett and Bryn McLaughlin about the new Jewish Theater 25th anniversary celebration, and they we have the director Rebecca and an actor Bryn, and they're both going to be talking about the immigrant, which is what we're doing right now. So the storyline, give us a little bit about the storyline. Sure. So, Not to give anything away, but <laughs> let's bait people to come to that's the right, production. That's right. We'll leave them wanting more. <laughs> um, as we were saying, it is at a, based on the true story of the playwright's grandfather. So uh, Mark Harlick is the playwright. His grandfather was Haskell, who came to the United States through the port at Galveston in 1909 um, as part of this Galveston project, which was designed to get Jewish people to not only immigrate to Ellis Island and New York City, but to go to Texas and to spread out throughout the country. Right. Um, the, the Lower East Side was getting very crowded at the time. There were a lot of people there. And uh, some J- Jewish philanthropists looked at that and thought it was not a great situation. And it was one that could actually lead to a rise in anti-Semitism as people started to see this Jewish community as a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they wanted to continue to bring more Jewish people in, but also spread them out throughout the country. So they would uh, pay for their tickets. So they, the the actual fare to get from um, Bremen to Galveston was was covered. They would put them up in Bremen and provide kosher food for and a place to stay while they were waiting for their ship. And then once they got to Texas, they would put them on a train and send them out throughout um, Texas and the Midwest. So that lasted. Oh gosh, I'm forgetting my dates now. I think Five it was or six years. Yeah, yeah, maybe seven. Mm-hmm. Um, and they brought in over a hundred thousand right. Jews in that time period. Um, and a lot of the Jewish communities that we have in those parts of the country today really developed in part thanks to to that Galveston movement. Has anybody traced any of that Galveston movement up here to St. Louis? Um, I know that there were. People that came to St. Louis, there's mm-hmm. records that show the number of people that went, and, and quite a few in Missouri and a few in St. Louis, but I haven't specifically looked at but who those people are. Okay. That would be interesting to see mm-hmm. you know, some relatives show up about, because they may not even know. That's true. I, maybe I need to look into that and, <laughs> and reach out if they're yeah. still around. Yeah. It's, a lot of times, those stories, they are passed down, but sometimes they get lost in the process, and especially if it was, that was well over 100 years ago, you know unless you had some really determined grandmothers who wanted to, you know, pass the oral tradition down or yeah. grandfathers to do that. Yeah. So, uh, Bryn, talk about the role that you play in this particular play, and that is um, the role of Leah. Yes. Uh, so Leah is Haskell's wife. So Haskell is our protagonist. He is the immigrant, um, and I am his wife. So he comes – he immigrates first, and he does – a lot of hard work and <laughs> to start to settle and you know lay the foundation for a life to bring me his wife over so i arrive what is it about a year after mm-hmm. he's yeah he's been in america um and i struggle when i first arrive um i i really struggle with the transition and um and then, you know, we there's sort of a jump in time where you see us when we're first here, first getting settled. And then you also get to see us after we have settled and we've had children. And um, uh, it's it's 
really fascinating as an actor to do a character that spans so much time because it's uh it's the same character but in a lot of ways different people mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um and that's uh and we're even uh working with how does the dialect that we are doing from the beginning of the play to the end of the play how would that change mm-hmm. when we first arrive it's a very thick dialect and we're still adapting to the english language so we're less comfortable with it it's probably it's a little more stilted and then you know many many years later we've been living here for a long time some of that dialect has started to fizzle away we're mm-hmm. more comfortable with the language um and it's a it's been a very fascinating and technical approach to telling that story in a way that will be subliminal to audiences you know i'm sure i mean i'm sure people will pick up on it but um uh I, I don't know. I just th- think it's a fascinating way to tell that story. Um, and it has involved some conversations about like real people, you know, like we, I just uh, reached out to John, our dialect coach with a question about it. And he was like, well, I actually knew someone who dot, 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 dot. And so he had some anecdotal wow. uh, background to give. So it's really fascinating. I think working on the dialect has been um, one of the most fun parts of this process now, it's when you, so technical when you talk about the dialect give an example of that so people can understand exactly what you're saying okay uh so i not to put you on the spot yeah 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 um so this would be uh early early in the play when i'm young and i'm still getting comfortable with the language uh i have a line to haskell that's part yiddish and part english um and i'm telling him I am um, that I'm struggling with ang- English, and I say that I feel stupid. He says I'm not stupid, and I say, "Nit in my sprock, over listen at me if in English, if in Yiddish I can speak, I can think, I know what to say it, but if in English, ich weiß nicht was this is a candlestick, my God." That's <laughs> yeah, very nice. <laughs> <laughs> So people will – they get it now. And, and then your accent gets what I would say uh, less thick of Yiddish and more American English Yeah, yeah. as you go on. Mm-hmm. And what's the time span there from the beginning of the play to where it, where it ends? So, How much time Yeah, we, we started talk? in 1909. Um, the last scene that Bryn is in is in 1942. Wow. And then there's a little sort of epilogue that takes us up until – the until Haskell's death basically wow yeah what are some challenges that you have found uh, directing this that maybe you haven't gotten with other plays that you were directing oh gosh um well I think it's it's interesting um Bryn was talking about the dialect which is a big challenge because we also have you know, we have Texan as well, which mm-hmm. is a, which is a different dialect. Right. So having both of those things going on in the same room and having everybody kind of be on the same page, um, I think a challenge though. So being being Jewish, um, and one of our other cast members is Jewish, but um, but most of them aren't, right. and so sharing. My my Jewish experience mm-hmm. and and bringing my my Jewish history and my Jewish education to the table as part mm-hmm. of the process. Right. Um, this is really the first time I've done that on a production. Okay. And so whether it's like showing Bryn how to light the candles and yeah. this is how my <laughs> grandmother did it right. and how right. I did it growing up um, or uh, Dustin who has to do like a full Shabbos dinner and so helping him with the prayers. So so that's new, both teaching that and, and then also bringing something that's really personal with me into the room. Yeah. 
And that's really important because otherwise it's not authentic. Yeah, and, that's true. And, you know, that you're sharing those particular things. And obviously your grandmother, she was one who we passed down the oral tradition and make sure that or in this, this is how you do this. Right, make exactly. Make sure you do it correctly. Okay, wow. Yeah, and since we are performing at the new Jewish theater, yeah, yeah, we're going to have right. people in the audience that know. <laughs> and who probably speak Yiddish. And, we and, probably will. Now, yeah. I was thinking about a southern Texas Yiddish accent. That would be a very interesting one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> How does that work? How does that work? Now, this is your first uh, show to direct as artistic director. It is. And not your first sh- show to direct as an artistic director, but of the New Jewish Theater. In planning out some of the um, other performances, were you instrumental in choosing which plays were going to be presented in this season? So I actually, I started just about a year ago in August. And so this season of, of plays was pretty much totally picked out, including this one. Okay. Um, though I had been talking to the previous artistic director, uh, Eddie Caulfield, about directing The Immigrant even before mm-hmm. I knew that this, this position was an opportunity. So, um, so I was really excited to be directing this play. But then our next season, which will get started in 2024, uh, which we just announced, that'll be my first season of plays that I selected myself. And do you know what those plays are? They, I do. They, are, are you okay to say what I, they are? I am. Yes, we just we had a big 25th anniversary party, and, okay. and we did the the big announcement. Okay. So um, we're going to kick things off with All My Sons by Arthur Miller. Okay. Um, then we're going to do a new play um, by a friend of mine who's a playwright named Lila Rose Kaplan, um, and it's called We All Fall Down. It's about a family who never does Passover, doing a Passover Seder. Mm. Um, then we're doing doing Red by John Logan about the artist Mark Rothko. Um, that will be followed by a play called Trafe by Lindsay Joel um, that's about uh, Chabad Jews living in New York City in the 1990s. Um, so I think that's going to be a really interesting, cool story. That's another regional premiere. And then we'll close things out with a musical called First Date that's about a couple uh, going, going on their first date, a blind date. That'll be a lot of fun. A musical. A musical. Wow. Yes. We're about to do a musical. We're getting ready to do. After this, we'll go straight into Into the Woods, which okay, right. will be the biggest musical we've ever done at New Jewish Theater. So. Okay. With a small pit orchestra? Or With something? it, yes. It's going to be definitely a, a reduced, it's a reduced cast. It's a reduced orchestration. It's a version of Into the Woods that is being designed specifically for our space and to be really intimate um, mm-hmm. and be, be a black box sort of chamber version of the show. Okay. So we're going to take a, a brief break because what I'd like for you to uh, think about are some of the outreach items that are going to be going on because of this particular production. And we're going to highlight some of those folks, so you need to pay attention to that when we come back on this. Now we're talking to uh, Rebecca Shallot. She's the artistic director for the New Jewish Theater. And we're talking to Bryn McLaughlin. She's an actor in the production of the Immigrant, and we're going to, we've are going we been talking about that. I want to mention that The Immigrant is going to be performed at the Wool Studio Theater October 12th through the 29th, October 12th through the 29th, and if you want tickets, you can go to the website, which I'm getting here. It's I think it's newjewishtheater.org, right, newjewishtheater.org online, or you can call 314-442-3283, 314-442-3283. I want to mention that the shows are going to be I should say the performances are going to be Thursdays at 7.30, Saturdays at 4 o'clock and 8 o'clock p.m., and Sundays at 2 p.m. And we will talk about that again more before the show is over. So we will be right back. 
after these messages. St. Louis Intune strives to bring you informative, useful, and reflective stories and interviews about current and historic issues and events that involve people, places, and things. Our topics cover a wide range, such as the arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, health, history, housing, humor, justice, and even sports. And that's just to name a few. While St. Louis in Tune originates from the Gateway City and covers local topics, we connect to what is going on nationally as well. If you enjoy what you hear, please take time and like and share and subscribe to this show and listen to other previous shows that can be found on our website, stlintune.com. That's stlintune.com. Or on your favorite podcast platform, that's stlintune.com. STL intune.com and if you've got an idea that you'd like for us to examine a little deeper let us know by dropping us a note at stlintune at gmail.com that's stlintune at gmail.com st louis in tune heard monday through friday on the u.s radio network.com and many great radio stations around the u.s and of course right here in st louis our website again is stl Intune.com. We want to hear from you. STLintune.com. This is Arnold Stricker of St. Louis Intune on behalf of the Dred Scott Heritage Foundation. In 1857, the Dred Scott decision was a major legal event and catalyst that contributed to the Civil War. The decision declared that Dred Scott could not be free because he was not a citizen. The 14th Amendment also called the Dred Scott Amendment, granted citizenship to all born or naturalized here in our country and was intended to overturn the U.S. Supreme Court decision on July 9, 1868. The Dred Scott Heritage Foundation is requesting a commemorative stamp to be issued from the U.S. Postal Service to recognize and remember the heritage of this amendment by issuing a stamp with the likeness of the man Dred Scott. But we need your support and the support of thousands of people who would like to see this happen. To achieve this goal, we ask you to download, sign, and share the one-page petition with others. To find the petition, please go to dreadscottlives.org and click on the Dred Scott Petition Drive on the right side of the page. On behalf of the Dred Scott Heritage Foundation, this has been Arnold Stricker of St. Louis In Tune. Welcome back to St. Louis in Tune. This is Arnold Stricker with Mark Langston. Mark is on assignment, and he will be back next time. We're talking to Rebecca Scallett and Bryn McLaughlin. They are both involved with the immigrant performance, which is going to be at the New Jewish Theater, and that will take place uh, coming up here in about a week. And, you know, before the break, we were talking about – some outreach that the New Jewish Theater is doing in the metropolitan area, and especially here in cooperation with the International Institute. Describe a little bit about what that outreach is, Rebecca. Sure. So um, from the very beginning with this play, it was important to me that we connect it to contemporary um, issues with immigration that that, that exist 
in our country and in our city of St. Louis. And I think we're really lucky to have an amazing organization like the International Institute here that does so much work to help refugees and immigrants here. So I wanted to use this opportunity um, to to help shine some light on the work that they are doing and to remind people. I feel like this play that we're doing is such an amazing and and feel-good story about someone who came to this country who had an opportunity and who really made success, was able to really create a life for his family and for future generations. And that's what so many people are still looking to do today. And so it's wonderful to celebrate his success, but I think we also need to remember that there are people today who are struggling and who are working hard, like Haskell did when he was selling bananas from a cart. Right. Uh, and they're and they're trying to make their way and, and make their way for their families. So with the International Institute, we're going to be doing uh, a post-show discussion following this Sunday, October 15th performance, um, where they'll be talking more about specifically about their work. But throughout the run, we're doing a needed item drive with them. So on our website at newjewishtheater.org, you can go and there's a list of items that they are in need of right now to distribute to people here in St. Louis. And you can bring those with you to the show. We'll be collecting them and then we'll get them all where they need to go. So we're hoping to to get some funds, get some some items in that way. Um, and then another version of outreach we're doing is we're working with a couple of local congregations, um, uh, Jewish temples that have been doing a lot of work with immigrants, mostly um, Ukrainian refugees, and they have groups within their congregations that have. Um, been welcoming these people. And so they're going to be talking about their efforts. And I'm hoping, I haven't confirmed yet, but that some of those refugees are actually going to come and um, speak about their experience as well. And then another exciting thing we're doing is that we're working um, with the group Welcome Neighbor. Um, They do, uh, they do, Oh, I'm forgetting what they call them. Something supper. <laughs> supper. Supper club? Supper club. Thank you very much. They do a supper club where the refugees that they work with, they actually become chefs and they prepare a meal from their home country. Mm. And then you can register to participate in this meal um, It's for a fee uh, that goes directly to the chef. So it's $35. They get the money and you get to have this amazing home-cooked authentic meal. So we're actually going to be hosting one of those. Um, it'll be between our 4 and 8 p.m. performances. Do you have the date in front of you? Because I October 28th. Thank you so much. <laughs> On October 28th between um, so the show will get out around 6.30 and then so you can either pre-order your dinner, have it there for you afterwards, or you can come before the 8 o'clock show and have it then and have this amazing home-cooked Syrian meal and also get to hear the the chef's own story. They'll be telling their story. So get to connect that with the production as well. So what stories have you heard, both of you, uh, about immigrants that has really touched you, that's impacting you in your directing of this and in your acting of this particular play? Well, I can go first. Mine is, uh, I won't go into details because it's still a little fresh and very sad, but um, I had a roommate for the last year who was from Puerto Rico. He's mm-hmm. an immigrant and he did not adjust well. Uh, I don't think that he really found, reached out and found support that he needed. Um, and uh, he sadly passed uh, just about a month ago. Oh, wow. Uh, unexpectedly. So, um, 
It, you know, funny enough, like, uh, I, I wasn't very close with him, but I've been working with his family a lot since he, he passed. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it has very slowly and very occasionally in this process, something will happen, like some line or um, it's actually funny enough, something about the way uh, the actor who plays Haskell, Dustin, like the way that he gets really excited and smiles and nods when he's trying really hard to communicate, but he doesn't almost trust that he's using the right language because, you know, he's still getting used to English. Um, It is shockingly similar to the way that my roommate would communicate Mm -hmm. with us about things like cooking dinner or something. Um, So I am slowly throughout this process getting more and more emotionally tied to uh, a lot of this story and, um, uh, just the outreach that you just listed off, you know, it's like, that's a, it's very valuable. And, uh, I think spreading the word on those things is becoming a much more personal <laughs> subject for me. So. Bryn, do you find that, um, playing someone who is an immigrant has changed your perspective a little bit on how we need to be dealing more with immigrants. I don't want to get into the political conversation of this yeah. because that's not where I want to go with this. But you you just mentioned about you know a roommate about that. But yeah. even in the you know, that's that's one item mm-hmm. that most people don't have. But now you're playing an immigrant. How has that changed your perspective on immigrants coming to our country? Yeah, uh, you know. There is a beautiful relationship in this play between the two women. Um, and uh, I, I think, it, man, it is so special to do a play that has such well-written female characters. Um, and our bond is very unique uh, in that we are strangers to each other. And we have sort of these biases that have been imprinted upon us about the other one's culture. And we have this beautiful scene where because Ima, the Texan uh, woman, she is extending such kindness and openness to my character and like just consistently like making me feel so welcome to share my culture with her. She asks me questions, you know, she recognizes that I am alone in this place and that there's no one like me aside from my husband. And so she... You know, just by there's this cute business where I've I have never chopped vegetables. Uh, my mother never taught me how to do that to make dinner, and she watches me struggle with cutting a carrot, and then she helps me with it. And it's this small moment, probably takes fifteen twenty seconds in the play. I think something like that really does change lives. I really do. Mm. Um, so I think it's just I learn a lot from Ima's character in her. Just like seeing that someone feels alone and just opening up, you know, just asking them about themselves. I think so much, so much just on that very small personal, uh, the, the, just those small interactions make a world of difference, you know. Rebecca, how about you? Has the play changed your perspective on immigration and how people deal with uh, how we as Americans deal with immigrants? Well, I think. Bryn was talking about about her character, and I think um, one of the most heartbreaking scenes in the play is shortly after she's arrived and she's trying to find find her way, and she feels she she quoted a line from it earlier where she just feels so isolated and so alone and stupid that 
because she's different mm-hmm. and pe- and she's dressed differently and she speaks a different language and people look at her differently and so and that's really um, resonated with me and thinking about today because it's so easy when you see someone who looks who, who looks differently who's dressed in a, a way that is strange to you um, who doesn't speak your language to just sort of dismiss them whether it's um, maybe it's dismissing like uh, well, I don't need to worry about them, or it's, or it's, oh, I don't know about that person. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it. This play shows us in in that relationship between the two the two families between um, the Perrys and the Harlicks that when you can reach out to those people, when you can get to know them and have a conversation and offer a helping hand, it opens up this entire world of richness and beauty. Um, that you spoke about in that opening quote um, mm-hmm. of learning about this other culture and this other world. And so I think it just reminds us of the importance of, of saying hello and, mm-hmm. and asking questions and not to be afraid of someone that's different, um, but to look at that as a wonderful thing and an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Now, I read some of your uh, educational philosophy and you you use the word collaboration a lot, which I like. And, and it's an educational journey both for me and the cast and often for the audience as well. Explain that a little bit. Oh, my gosh. You did a deep dive on my website. <laughs> Your website's very nice. I like oh, it. Thank you. Um, yeah. I mean, some of what I was talking about before that I think a, a, a play is a world. And so you, I have learned so much – um, about this this historical event, about these real people, about these relationships that I'm talking about and the importance of them, and about what is happening with immigration in the city of St. Louis today. All of that I learned just by working on this play. Mm. So that's the me. And then I get to share that with the cast, um, share the things that I've learned. But then the cast has their own ideas and um, experiences and stories that then they bring to the table. So that adds to my knowledge base as well. And then and then you bring the audience in. Um, and I hope that they will learn something mm-hmm. and take something away out of this experience and out of coming together. And then I hope that they'll also share. Um, that's one of the great things about being the artistic director is right. that I come to just about every show and I like to stay after and you know, I don't, I don't uh, stand in the way, but if people want to come find me, they can. And I love hearing um, stories from people. I hope that people will come. I hope that this will remind them of their families and I'll get to hear mm. their immigrant stories um, and continue learning and hear, hear what, they, what they think about all this. I was so. going to ask you, because we've interviewed a lot of directors from a lot of different plays and that, and it's like, okay, I'm there for the first one and then I'm, I'm, out, I'm out of it. It's, it's their hands now because it's too late for me to inject anything here and it's interesting that you stay around for all those i won't necessarily watch every single show (laughs) (laughs) because sometimes that can be challenging um because you know because you are done with it you know i let the actors it's their show once Mm -hmm. it opens Mm -hmm. um and i'll come every now and then and if i have a note or something i'll I'll pass it on through the stage manager but i really try to to stay out of their way once Mm -hmm. the show opens Mm -hmm. um but i think that is one of the nice things about being an artistic director and it's something that i've always really enjoyed is that that I find that um, to doing the plays is all about having opportunities for conversation with your community and and sharing it. And mm-hmm. so it's really nice that I that I am around and I like to be around to hear to hear what they think and mm-hmm. to have that conversation. And that affects 
my decisions that I'll make for the future about the kinds of things I want to program and and how I can reach them. But that's really what that's why I'm doing it ultimately is that I want to be able to open those those doors of conversation with them. Do you have opportunities for the cast like after the show is done to sit and talk with you know, like they, they sit in chairs when they're done and the audience asks questions, kind of like we're asking, you know, I'm asking you, Bryn, right now about some of the things. Do you ever have those opportunities or provide those opportunities? Yes, we're, we have, um, we'll have a number of talkbacks scheduled during the show, a lot of with special guests like we were talking about before, but I'm hoping the cast will be a part of that as well because, yeah, I think it, it can be really special to have that, that conversation together after, after you've experienced something like this. Because you really get to learn a lot. This is why I like to do what I'm doing right now because I get to learn quite a bit about not only both of you, but about the play and about the Galveston movement. You know, I, I have a whole slug of things here to go through if, if, if we ran out of time. I always ask this question to performers, whether they're musicians or artists or um, actors or directors, that you always have parents listening or hopefully there's kids listening who, you know, they want to go down that road, I want to be on Broadway, or I, I want to go and be a movie actor or something like that. So I'm going to start with you, Bryn, and uh, ask you, you're going to give advice to somebody who wants to get into the business. And I know you're also a singer-songwriter. <laughs> and so I don't know if that's your side gig or, or you know, you kind of mutually have, have both of these or, you know, because it, it's a very difficult path when you're in the arts to, you know, pay the bills and things like that. So give advice to people who are thinking about going into the business. What would you tell them? Well, I mean, I don't know that I'm the best person to talk about the business of being a performer um, because I made the active choice a long time ago to not make my passion for theater my the food on my table. Interesting. You know, I, I knew that like I personally, I struggle with anxiety and, uh, I have my ups and downs. And I think if I didn't have the stability of a day job, knowing where my paycheck is coming from, then I would not be able to walk into rehearsal and laugh and have fun and feel free to, um, pass up opportunities or shows that I don't feel fit my values or, you know, I have, if I'm not, you know, just scrambling for opportunities for the sake of getting paychecks, then I do have a lot more agency as, as an actor. Um, these are exactly the types of opportunities that I want in my life. I love working with theater companies that have mission statements that are so full of heart. You know, it's like with the community Mm -hmm. in mind. Um, I think that when I walk into the rehearsal space, it shows that like everybody in the room, we have such an appreciation for the people in the room and the script we're working with the, the purpose of what we're doing. It just feels special. Mm -hmm. It does not feel like this is another play because I had to get something in my winter slot so that I have those, paychecks for rent um same with like you know if if i'm going to talk about my music i you know i knew a long time ago i'll just write music if it makes me happy and i don't need to do it if it if it's bringing stress um so uh yeah i i mean they're the business is an entirely different beast and i do think that when a lot of us are young and green 
we cling to the art and mm-hmm. the passion and it's just really crushing when you have to start addressing the business. So I think start addressing the business as early in your career as possible. So you are as equipped and you have all of the knowledge you need to make that decision of, is this something that I want to make my lifestyle or not? Um, and I just, I do want to express that like there is extreme happiness and joy to be found in not pursuing the Broadway lifestyle. Um, I love St. Louis. I love this community. I think my life is so much better since I moved here. And there's a wealth of people just like me who want to do this for the joy of the art, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, But I also, I mean, like I've also gotten to work with some wonderful actors who this is their career, you know, and I, I get to benefit from all the hard work they've done and all of their knowledge. So um, there's just such a variety of performers and artists in this area. It's just like, it's a wonderful melting pot. (laughs) And it's obviously that the, schedule was going to work around your work schedule yep that does that does make it tricky there are some companies in town that i just i you know i know i shouldn't even consider auditioning for their shows um sometimes i will reach out to a company because you know i and i will say like i recognize that realistically i couldn't do this rehearsal process do you have any like uh, would it be worth it for you for me to audition for like odd jobs or anything? But even then, um, I just it makes you all the more grateful for New Jewish Theater and these companies that uh, offer substantial projects that you know you still rehearse in the evening. I can have my nine to five, um, all of that. So I I think I kind of struck gold with this one. <laughs> uh, I'm very happy if you can't tell. I'm very happy to be here. So. No, no, that's good. Yeah, Rebecca. Um, advice. Well, I think uh, to piggyback a little bit on what Bryn was saying, I think it's important to remember that there are all kinds of lives to mm-hmm. be found in the arts mm-hmm. and that the the Broadway vision is just one. Um, I have worked in regional theater pretty much my entire career, um, mostly in Chicago and then my time in Arkansas and here. And I think there's a lot of value to be found in creating theater said this a whole bunch but for a community i think that has that for me that really resonates and has has a lot of value um but to just but even to just to to get here and to be leading a company in st louis is is challenging and so i think what um was really beneficial to me as i was coming up was saying yes to as many different kinds of opportunities as i could Mm. so when i was first starting out in chicago I was an intern. I was a dramaturgy intern for a company doing like research and background for shows. I did props. I did stage management. Um, I did whatever I could to get myself in the rehearsal room, Mm -hmm. which is where I knew I wanted to be. And then to meet people because everybody needs a props person. (laughs) So I got to meet people in different theater companies all over the city of Chicago that way. And then eventually sort of worked my way into saying, but I'm also really a director (laughs) Um, and, and work my way through. Uh, but then I also I went to graduate school, which was um, a wonderful experience for, for me as well, mm-hmm. which I did later in life. You know, I didn't go straight out of college. I took time to work mm-hmm. and make sure that that was really what I wanted to do. And then when I was ready, I knew what I wanted. I knew the kind of program I wanted. I knew what I was trying to get out of it. And that graduate school experience was, was super beneficial to me as well. Well, those were both, honestly, some some great answers because you're you're both very honest with this and you know being realistic that you can't do it all and you have to be happy personally and not worry about other things and i respect that that's that road that you've chosen because uh a lot of people struggle the other way and they're not willing to let go of that 
dream that they have to to make it and then they end up you know burning themselves out and the fact that you were um doing all of the other roles gives you in my humble opinion a more versatile understanding as a director and you know with lighting with props with scenery with costuming and everything like that it helps you understand a more uh, you know holistic approach to to a, a play and a performance and also waiting to go to graduate school you know a lot of people you know it's like you know i've got my degree and i know it all you don't know because you've never done and you know it's it's you have to do to understand and appreciate the theory and understand what you're going to get out of graduate school too okay i pontificated there but <laughs> no I, I respect those answers those are tremendous answers and they're very honest uh, uh, very honest answers, and I appreciate that. I think people will benefit from that. So we've been having a great discussion on The Immigrant, which is going to take place at the Wool Studio Theater, the new Jewish theater production on October the 12th through the 29th. It's a very timely performance, folks, knowing what's going on in Texas and around the country. So this will be the third time that this will be produced at the New Jewish Theater. The last times were in 1999 and 2011. But this is the 25th celebration, uh, 25th season celebration, and you want to go see this. So again, it's October 20, October 12th through the 29th. And also don't forget to go to the website, which is newjewishtheater.org, newjewishtheater.org, to find out some information about the collaborative efforts that are going on with many local organizations, including the International Institute of St. Louis and the Jewish Community Relations Council and several uh, congregations here, Jewish congregations in the area. There's also on the 28th of October from 4 to 8 p.m., the Supper Club, and you can check all this out, again, at the newjewishtheater.org. Needed items that they are collecting, there's a listing there, so you want to make sure that you get that. So I want to extend a great thanks to our guests here, Rebecca Scallett and Bryn McLaughlin, for coming to the studio to talk about the immigrant and their backgrounds and uh, what you can look forward to when you go to that production. Again, newjewishtheater.org or 314-442-3283. Ladies, thank you very much for coming in today. Thank you for having us. (laughs) Thank you so much. So, folks, we're going to close out a little early today, and that's okay because those were great notes to to end on. And I want to encourage you that we have a lot of wonderful wonderful productions around the St. Louis area, and the New Jersey Theater is just one of those, and they do a wonderful job. We enjoy talking to directors and actors from those particular plays, And also from the uh, New Jewish uh, Book Festival, and that's coming up. We're going to be – we're scheduling some guests for that. So please make sure that you stay tuned to St. Louis In Tune for some of those particular things. So that's all for this hour. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, when the Martians invade, there's only one race, the human race, and every one of us have different characteristics and is uniquely valuable. St. Louis In Tune is a production of Motif Media Group and the U.S. Radio Network. For St. Louis in Tune, co-host Mark Langston, I'm Arnold Stricker. Remember to walk worthy and let your light shine.